I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This week on Feel Good Friday, Indonesian communities party with the corpses of their loved ones. So metal. Study finds that ChatGPT is more personal than your own doctor. The Dyson Zone looks dumb as shit. And it's going to cost an arm and a leg for psilocybin therapy in Oregon. You guys ever watched that uh it was like a netflix series that came out a while back uh with that new zealand reporter guy i think and it was called like dark tourism and he no. goes he goes around to like different uh i vaguely remember hearing about yeah. the show yeah didn't watch it it was a sick show it was great uh it was this guy that was basically going around the world to like places that would be considered dark tourism destinations you mean like, um, like, hey, like, let's go to, um, like, let's go to uh, Antarctica uh, in the Af- middle of winter. Afghanistan, I was more so oh. Kind of like, sort of like that. Or so like, like, or like, hey, let's go, like, let's go to Yemen. Yeah, I mean, less like, let's go to war torn countries, and more like, let's go to, um, let's go to, uh. The place in Japan that had like the nuclear reactor okay. accident right, kind okay. of thing. Or like, <clears throat> let's go, let's go. I need, I, an example was <laughs> let's go to Indonesia, where this tribe removes the dead from their coffins uh, as like a sort of death ritual. And oh, so it was like, like, every, it was like sort of morbid slash like kind of darker types of things that happen around the world. And you go and you kind of explore it because like, Going to a fucking all inclusive just like isn't exciting enough. Did, did you do you mean the Indonesian tribe that would like keep their loved ones yes. and then every year, yeah. um, like open up the coffin and bring like yeah. pops out and yeah. like set them up at a table and exactly. like have tea with them and then like put them back. Yeah. Well, so it's, it's the like uh, summer vibes. It's the Torajan people Ish. uh on the <clears throat> Indonesian island of Sulawesi. Um, and it's a it it happens every three years. It's called the Mainin ritual. Uh, which in English means the ceremony of cleansing corpses. Dude, this is so fucking metal. So um, I don't think we've ever talked about it on the show, but but Vice just like put out a post the other day about it. And they, the photos that they released with it, were, I was like, oh yeah, this is fucking wild. I immediately think that this would make the grieving process a lot better. Yes. And you know what? You know what else I was thinking about is that it probably makes the conversation surrounding death for youth and like the understanding of death for youth, a lot more like <clears throat> digestible. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's so, where I, that's kind of speaking of midsummer, that's like kind of the vibe ish that I was getting in that scene. Oh, from the, when they're like, when they, when they jump, the organs going to jump off the cliff. <laughs> and which, which, I, which also I was like, Oh, they do this in, um, 
uh, wait, what's the uh, uh, the Norse Norseman? Yeah, right. It was like there's a yeah. scene like that in Norseman. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, it's really funny in Norseman. It's not so not funny so, in this, so in funny, this yeah. movie. I mean, they definitely took it a step further with the with the skull crushing afterwards. But um, yeah. yeah. So so this Indonesian tribe uh, every three years they celebrate by removing the dead from their coffins. And they, they have like a little sort of like street party with the, with the dead folk. Um, so caring for the dead like they're still living may be the truest form of love. <laughs> it's, just too, it's too funny not to think about, but like, do you think that like it's very weak every three Bernie's. years when they like bring out when they like bring out their loved one, dude. Some of these photos are fucking weekend parties like, for sure. <laughs> they like they like went so hard three years ago with their loved one that they like actually had to like bolt something back on or like extra secure a limb that got a little bit fucked up last well, time. So like each three years, like somebody's a little bit more worn yeah, and torn. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm going to show you some pretty gnarly photos here in a moment. Um, so in the mountainous region of Indonesia, um, this is what they this is what they do. They care for the dead like they're still alive. Uh, the Toraja people keep their deceased loved ones close in a separate room of the home, uh, mummifying their bodies and treating them to the essentials, food, water, clothing, and of course, cigarettes. Um, <laughs> so the dead are brought out of their coffins. They are washed and they are brought down to the village where the younger generations connect with their lineage and learn to deal with death from an early age. It is not unusual to see young uh, Tarajans share a smoke or take selfies with their mummified ancestors. Uh, Tarajans, the dead are never really gone. Instead, they would be shocked by the sheer number of retirement homes and outsourced tomb cleaning, uh, cleaning in the Western world. So here uh, is some of the photos and dude, you know what? Whoa. <laughs> so, so I, I, if you are watching on, on YouTube, I will say that there is a photo from here, from, from this vice post. That sort of shocked me a bit. This is shocking. Uh, here's another one here. You can see this. Wow. Probably, this looks like a like a grand like grandma. You know, they put grandma in some fucking dude sick outfit like that. That well, headpiece is dope. Well, that's a that's a, like it's like a pretty traditional Indonesian. Uh, Check this one out. Garb. Oh my god. So oh, that, so for kid. people that are just listening, we're looking at the corpse of probably a nine ten year old. Yeah, I in mean, like it could be. A, no, no, that's a kid. No, it's a kid. It's a kid. Yeah. 100% it's yeah. a kid. The um, hair, the hair is wild. Yeah. So uh think the so hair it's is this, real? Do you it, think it's a it, wig? Yeah, I don't know. It's got to be, be a wig. No. Could be. Well, really? Could be real hair. Why would the hair stay? Well, they so they mummify these they mummify these corpses. Um they brush them down in like I don't know what it is. I I could have looked it up but I didn't. Um but basically what we're looking at here is a it looks like a, like a 9-year-old, 10-year-old child with like a really pretty purple dress some like really nice shoes and socks and a little cute little like headpiece um this oh, one's shit. super gnarly like man it's like it's wow. it's we like our culture look like from from where we stand we look at this and there's like it's scary you know what i mean like this this yeah. looks like something you'd see out of a horror movie <clears throat> yeah totally. but to them it's completely completely different here's a really interesting one so this photo is of uh, somebody slipping on a pair of like sneakers on the the foot of a corpse. That was what Brian. I was thinking about this one of like, you slip that on a little too hard, <laughs> slip that off a little too yeah. hard, and that foot might just come with you. Yeah, totally. right. Very, gotta be very fragile. It is. I uh, mean, I'm I'm having really mixed feelings 
looking at this. Like, so it's funny because I, I started by saying, I imagine that this would help the grieving process, you know, just knowing that like physically there's still some sort of physical aspect of your loved one still here would probably be like comforting somewhat knowing that there's like still something that you can reach out and, and touch and like, and see and, and, and like feel that it's, it's really there. But also like the, I don't know, there's something also kind of like seeing that, especially the, the uh, seemingly young girl and, and the person who was holding her, which I'm assuming is, you know, maybe, maybe like the dad, mm -hmm. like that would be, man, it would be pretty like sad and it's tough and to know well, way, it's like, just to separate how that. much your yeah our our uh our upbringing around all these things influences the way that again culturally it's it's yeah. probably looked at i mean it most certainly is looked at in a very different way I, I i highly doubt it's it's a deep sadness i i more so it expect that it's probably like a, a perfect i mean sure there's probably grief grief is is not only sadness. Grief is like a myriad of different emotions that you sort of roller coaster through as you go through the process of grief. So, sure, maybe there is some sadness there, but I, I, I don't look at that and think, man, they must be fucking sad. No, pulling I, that little like that, you know, their their once ten year old daughter's corpse out and dress her up. There's probably, I mean, again, like think about what they're doing, right? They're 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 feeding them water. They're, they're, I mean, maybe, maybe not the 10 year old girl, but they're like, they're lighting up smokes and putting them in their mouth. They're giving them cigarettes. Yeah. They're, they're like sharing a drink with them. Maybe, maybe, maybe. giving them cigarettes, G giving, her, a, giving the 10 year old a... corpse a cigarette be like, <laughs> you're 18 now. Here's a, here's a dart, you know, like, but they're, they're like celebrating with them. They're going, Hey, we're going to replace your clothing with these like brand new shoes or this, or this, you know, this brand new dress or this mm. new hat or whatever. Um, there's probably a, along with the the mourning piece. There's probably a lot of like joyous feelings for sure. that go with that like celebration for sure. And I I think that I thought initially like oh what a joyous amazing thing to like be able to like he like yeah. celebrate and like remember your the your idea of it. The, the idea of it. But then seeing the pictures, I was yeah. like oh but also it would be fucking sad too. Like I I feel like there would be like you said, Jerry, like a myriad of feelings that you would probably throughout the day laugh a lot. You'd cry a lot. You'd fucking be angry that they were gone too soon. You'd be happy that they're still there in some capacity to, but do you think, it, do you think that it would be like that? If you, it, you know, if, if say someone close to you had passed and you know, this is like the third time you've pulled them out and redressed them and washed them. And it's like, I, I feel like you would, you you inevitably become there would be a desensitizing yeah. normalizing and like desensitize isn't the right word no, it's like a, but you just become familiar with like yeah. this is what i do with the corpse of my loved one yeah. like I, i'm i i think that you'd probably have more of the warm feelings than the sad feelings but like you know brandon um brandon died 5 years ago now and mm -hmm. that was a uh, a couple days ago and or yesterday and um, looking back at like pictures of of him and like times that we had spent together, like it's been five years now, and I'm able to like look back and think of, think of the fond memories and and be really grateful mm -hmm. for those. But also, it's still sad. 
you know, sure. like it's like you yeah. still feel sadness at the same time. Do you um, think that that do you think that those feelings would feel different if once a, once a year we like sat down to record the podcast and we just put Brandon in like the producer seat? Like his corpse? Yeah, I mean mummified <laughs> in like his it, in like, you know, it would be different. A new fucking sick like well, not a pair of Nike's, but like a Nike. <laughs> right. You know, and like like a yeah. sweet button-down shirt. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Like like <laughs> right? I, like do you do you think though? Yeah. Do yeah, I don't know. I mean it would feel it would feel different. Yeah. That would be a different experience. <laughs> it would be a different experience. It different. Yeah. It's it's funny cuz like you know you it's your initial reaction because of like the way that we grew up with uh death education or lack thereof mm. for the most part is like is it's a, it's very like oh oh wow oh my god. And and I think the the initial reaction because of how we come because of the lens through which we look at that it's mm. very easy to 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 see that as like to, to like the knee jerk reaction for the average person to be like, Oh my God, don't do that. Um, and then at the same time, it's like, it's like, what, but our, our education or lack thereof and comfortability with death is like rock bottom. Like we have mm-hmm. culturally like no, no degree of okayness with it and not to change the subject too much, but something that you guys would both really resonate, um, which is, uh, uh, with which is kind of um, at the heart of the first chapter of Peter Tia's book is talking about our obsession with just just drawing out lifespan, mm. like at all costs make a life longer, I, and 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 to not to in many cases not consider in any way shape or form what quality that time is. So like you know to to um to have somebody who is is dying from cancer and it's like there is it is absolutely inevitable that they're going to die from cancer and they're going to die within the next like 2 months and when the 2 month time comes and like things start to fail that there's efforts being put in to just like let's just Dry, let's just like let's up. just do this procedure yeah. or like do this medication. We'll just maybe we can get two more two more days a week longer. And it's like at what cost? And yeah. like why why do we just want to drag this out? Like is that is that our level of discomfort with death that we just that we're actually that we're just actually more invested in seeing somebody suffer mm-hmm. like to the to the nth degree rather than just go it's okay. We're at the end. I think maybe, maybe that's true. But also I feel like the other, I mean, that is true. But I think the other thing that is also true is that like, when you look at um, like the types of uh, stories that we fall in love with, um, it's like the stories of like resilience and hope and like, you know, somebody persevering against all odds. And so when it comes to like, people are the exception totally but but i think when but i think when it's like someone closest to you or it's your own life and it's not the person sitting there that feels that way it's the doctors it's the medical system but i'm not talking about the person but but i think that i think that it's the story that i think communally like in our society this is the story that we tell ourselves and when it's your individual experience that you're personally connected to whether you're the doctor whether you're the loved one of the person who's going through that you like you probably in that moment feel like you want at all um 
you want to create this opportunity for there to be this like, you know, miracle story where the person turns out okay. And like, especially ninety nine times out of a hundred, that to- doesn't happen. It doesn't matter though when it's Are your we, when we're, it's we're you just, in that moment. Like I I understand when statistically no because it's not the person. I'm not talking about the person. I'm not talking about the person that is that is on the verge of death. I'm talking about everybody around that person mm-hmm. who is unable to to go. The best thing right now, dude. I mean, is for this person, to you die. see it all the time. Like, I mean, Kira sees it every day at work, where there's people in there in the ICU, and you, like even the medical team is like, we gotta like, we gotta let go. We got guys, we gotta let go. And the family's like, no, no, no. This no, is no. what we're I mean. Like, this is what hold I'm... on. We're gonna hold on. And, the, and the, the physicians and the nurses are like, fuck, guys. You can't, like you gotta stop. You gotta this, let. You gotta have to just pull the plug on this because it's not going to change. It's this is the point that I'm making. Like, do you do you not think that that because of that, our our obsession with these like like hope hopes for a miracle that family members who are like no like just one more day try to give them one more chance try to do whatever we can to create one more opportunity for them to like hopefully miraculously get better like. I think that's you, a manifestation of our inability to understand or cope with death because of our culture. I, I, I think that that's a, a huge part of it. I also think it's like an obsession with like, you know, it, it's this like idea of, for lack of a better term, it's like this idea of like main character syndrome. It's like you're the main character in the story. And like, you know, Taylor, if you were lying in a hospital bed and like, you're like, Hey, listen, I'm going to die tomorrow because my cancer's, um, you know, gotten the best of me and i'm standing here and i'm like no dude you got like one more day i just know you can do it i i want to believe that you're gonna find a way to persevere it's like it's it's partly my obsession with or partly my inability to handle Mm. you dying but also it's like that hope that like you know in my situation like pull me out of that situation and it's say it's not you on the table i would be able to rationally say yeah, I think that's true. You know, like right. we are like 99 times out of 100, the best thing is probably for that person to just die. And if our culture changed, then like we would probably feel differently about it. You know, th- what this makes me think about the whole time we've been the whole time we've been talking about this for the last like five, five or 10 minutes is like one of the best one of the best things that I ever heard somebody tell me in my hockey career was when I was about 14 or 15 years old. I was going to this hockey camp and one of the coaches, one of the one of the staff was a junior A coach and he was a, he was a scout for um, made a major junior team. And he did a presentation where he sat in there and this is like a group of, uh, at the time of, I think we were about 15, all the best hockey players in the province and, and like from around Atlantic Canada, probably 5% of those people went on to play in the NHL. And we're all thinking, I'm going to play in the NHL. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. Everybody's thinking that. And this coach gives us a presentation and he says, I, I bet I know what he said. <laughs> You're all going to make it. He you, said, can, you can, you can do it. He, I bet. No, I bet. I know. He, I bet. I guarantee you. He said fly. this. He went, listen, when life, when life is tough, <laughs> keep your stick on the ice. <laughs> right? No, it was pretty much. It, the no, exact no, no. He said, he said, you miss hundred percent of the shots. Yeah. You don't take. We no. got shoot your shot. Or your shot will shoot you. He said. <laughs> you say that. This was actually. It was. That's a fucking it was good actually. One. It was. It was shocking and the most sobering thing as a teenage like athlete with high aspirations to hear. He said, 
Do you know how many kids in Canada are sitting in a room like this thinking that they're going to make the NHL just like you are? And basically proceeded to go, if you go to play major junior, and he's a major junior scout, he said, they will fuck you around to take away your opportunity to go to, to go to, to go play NCAA and get to school. And then, and then, and then he gave us percentages like, like this percent of you will go and play this level. And then from that, this percentage will go to the NHL. And do you know how much money, do you know how many games you need to play in order to get a pension in the NHL? Do you know how many years you have to play in there? And do you know how many, what percentage of players in Canada will actually get that opportunity? And he basically laid out this case, which was basically like, yo, you're buying a lottery ticket right now. And some of you will win, but here's what you really need to do. Like you need to, you need to focus on becoming a good person. You need to focus on going to, on being in school, on learning, on like having good relationships. And it was crazy. And I remember thinking like, whoa, this is so counterculture right now. Cause all I've been told my whole life is I'm like, if I just hold that in my mind that I can make the NHL, it was the only person to like kind of go against the grain on that. And I think about that in terms of, in terms of, the death conversation, because I feel like you're right. Like there is such a culture of like, we'll just need like, we need to do this thing. We need to do this procedure or we'll get this and we'll, maybe we can like, if we do this, maybe we'll get another six months or another year. What? And, and at what cost? And like, how far do you chase that until you just cause more harm than good? I think, I think our medical system and our society and our culture around death um, it it just like it just doesn't know when mm-hmm. to quit yeah. in a lot of ways and and causes a lot of unintentional harm. Like it's not it's unintentional harm. It's 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 mm-hmm. it's in good. It's in uh it's in good faith. Like it, it you know that like the the intentions to save somebody are I get it I understand it but I think I think that's really true and I think that it becomes really hard to remember that when it's when it becomes personal and yeah. and like. Yeah, I guess like at the end of the day, when it's when it's your loved one whose life is on the line, it's probably a lot harder to go. You know, the best thing is probably for them to die. Yeah, I mean it. It, it gets it gets in. Sometimes it gets in the way of doing the thing that you know the person who is dying wants. Mm-hmm. You know, like someone who hasn't filled out their advanced directive, um, and and they find themselves in a position where they are in the ICU or something. And the family knows that they, that this person spoke about the things that they want to see happen to them if they are in X, Y, Z position. But because it wasn't in writing and somebody else is calling the shot and that, that somebody else doesn't want it to go the way that it probably should. And the way that it most certainly should based on the wishes of the person who's not well. Um, sometimes you'll see it go a completely different direction because of that. And I think it's like, it's really fucking unfortunate. I think and again, hard- I think it really does tie to our our inability to cope with the idea of death in general. The hard part too is like when families don't talk about these things is that they sort of like inadvertently or unintentionally put these types of decisions on healthcare providers. Yeah. Like we um you know, we ran into a guy at a conference the other day right. who had told us who was a, a registered nurse. Um Showed it to Emmanuel if he's listening to this, but uh, who is telling us like you know off like sometimes when it comes to palliative or hospice hospice care, and you're and you're um, in charge of sort of like determining when this person is at the end of their life and 
you know, when to give them this sort of medication will that will just sort of quietly let them go off into the next, you know, into their the afterlife. Um, it's if if the family hasn't had that conversation, then the responsibility of making that decision then falls on the healthcare provider. Mm. And then what sort of impacts can it have on a person you know, professionally who has to work and make that decision, you know, all because we couldn't talk about death. Um, I don't know. It, it can be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You're passing the, you're just passing the buck, which mm-hmm. is like kind of wills. That's why a will is important. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Kyle and I went back and forth on a bunch of stuff where, where on one particular thing where she was like, she was like, well, it doesn't really matter to me. Like what happens to this? What I can't even remember what it was. I think maybe her burial or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, fuck, I thought you were talking about, I, sorry. I thought you were talking about like, the wills of the world are important. And like, I, you know, we've got some good, like Will. Like Williams. William, you know, Will, our buddy Will. Uh, your buddy Will. Nelson. Oh, right. Any Will that you know, like right. they're important. Like people named Will. Wills are important. Right. I yeah. mean, that too. Right. But you were talking about something yeah. else. Yeah, that she was like, there was something, I think it was her burial or like her funeral service or whatever. And it was like, she, she generally said something to the effect of like, it doesn't really matter to me. You know, whatever, whatever you, whatever you all want. And I was like, well, you're just, you're like cheap. You're just, you want it to be cheap. You're kind of just putting the, you're putting the responsibility onto me and, or your mom or your sister or Zaya. That's what you, in that, in that case, like that's when you out of spite, you go, all right, fine. And then when they die, you're like her, she told me her wishes were to be stressed, like just (laughs) like hung from the rafters like a like a puppet and and we want and and whoever's like leading the 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 the, the whoever's leading the ceremony of the funeral is like is is the puppeteer and doing a, an impression of kyla with just, her voice yeah so like speaking uh, doing her own funeral from the dead just a plethora yeah. of things that aren't legal yeah. but really yoga. you are like you're putting you end up you, you put the responsibility onto people who are yeah. like who are at that moment, it's like, yeah, maybe that seems like something they might be able to handle now while you're alive. But, but, but in that moment of grief, in that moment of loss, it's yeah. like to have that weight not be on your shoulders to make those decisions. And it, it makes that process a lot easier. And if it's not super clear and then it's like left to me and I go, well, I think we should do this. And let's say Kyla's mom or yeah. her sister or yeah. something is like, no, I think we should do. That. And it's like, well, if we're just clear about what we want, like wills yeah. are really important. Mm-hmm. But add add that disagreement in the mix of to oh, grief. It's totally like, fuck yeah. Think of your favorite one hit wonder, or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have, or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now, what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, let's move on uh, to something a little more um, a little more futuristic. Yes. Do you guys remember this fucking thing? How far in the future are we going? Yeah, the Dyson this air purifier. The Dyson it didn't look and like headphones. That. It didn't look like that, though. It's the Dyson it? Zone. It just came it out is. recently. It wow. did just come out recently, and I'd like to play for you a little video on how it works. 
this is fucking dumb. I, 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 I mean, Hey, look, if we have another pandemic, then sure. Maybe I could see people walking through the world wearing one of these fucking things, but I don't know. I think, I think maybe I'm like COVID exhaust. I'm exhausted. I'm like, I'm mask exhausted, COVID exhausted. So when I see this, it just makes me like kind of fucking annoyed. It looks, um, what we're watching right now is a video from Dyson that is showing how to, how to use this thing. Press, there's one press word play press to pause turn I the could volume use. up turn the volume down yada yada if there's one word I could use to describe it it would just be it would be over engineered it's it's a bit much right yeah totally I it's, mean that's kind of Dyson's jam though right it really is I mean okay I mean hey it yeah, sounds get, it sounds pretty good um how do we know but, that, but again that's what it's it like, like what we're watching here is just a glorified fucking commercial for headphones they're not even really <laughs> What's going on with the mask, like, though? They're not even talking about the fact that there's just a giant he- fucking <laughs> machine across the person's mouth. I don't want to watch this anymore. Where's the... No, you got to see it to the end, though. This, they is, gonna- fucking, this is fascinating. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's like, I- guys, what about the face thing? <laughs> What's going on with the face? I really want to hear the person talk, and I want them to sound like Bane. I really wish I had you a You know what? So far, so up. far, I have two pairs of headphones that do all of this. Oh, oh, there we go. She took Wait. the thing down. As soon as you drop your face piece. Oh, and you can take it off. There you go. So basically, oh, they what, literally what we didn't there, talk about it. What we learned there is that. Um, what? That's a gimmick. That's just a dumb gimmick. And you can buy a pair of fucking Bose headphones. That'll do the exact same thing we just saw, except not. But obstruct dude, dude, the listen, front of your face. Listen, like there's get there there is a there is surprisingly a market out there for that. I mean, there's probably a large market for it in um in like Japan and Korea. But, but hold on, maybe you're right. But if there is, why the fuck did they not even touch on the fact? They didn't even touch on it. That there's an air purifier in the front of the thing. Like I mean, shit, who dude, gives a fuck how it sounds? Would, it, it, like <laughs> sure, I'm sure it sounds great. They're headphones. Who can't like Don't you think they would be like 12 Fans yeah, in here yeah, to yeah. recycle the air through. They didn't mention anything something. about it. Show I mean, us like, like what? What does it do? It does. Is it better than an N95? I don't know. Is it fucking or is it? Is it a Lululemon cloth mask? I don't know. Does yeah. it work? Does it? Is it? <laughs> does it also double as a CPAP machine? I don't know. It's also now. It's like you're. You're just like two years late. You know. Un- but Although, again, but again, unless you live in Mexico City, and it actually does some fucking amazing, right. like, like air purification for your f- mouth. Okay, say they <laughs> launched, know. say they launched in like March 2020. Do you think that product would it's do well? It's a hot product. That would March be a hot that would be. Yeah, I would say probably That's pretty like you, you probably know, had like a couple months you know what? window. Yeah. I bet yeah. that I bet yeah. that product is on the cover of every tech yeah, magazine and publication and website in the world now, if it's now, March How about this? Do you think maybe they didn't touch on it because it doesn't do anything. No, because it actually, when you use it, it it just like dries out your throat so bad that you you're gagging. You know, like it's That's just it's like reason. problematic. That probably is a reason. I don't see why. Right, because it's got to be because it because it's got to be sucking in air, right? The only thing they showed about right. it, it has to is that you can take it off. Air in. I don't. I have no idea. What's I mean, going they on. do vacuum. I mean, I don't really know what's going on because they didn't fucking tell me. They just they just said, hey. These uh these work just like your just like any other fucking headphones you can buy right now. Okay. So question though. If you 
if 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 it was you know let's say not March 2020 but if it was like September 2020 and you were going on you had to go on a flight somewhere if it was, was March 2020 and they released this I think it would have been buried by the news <laughs> right by the sheer so, fact that there's a global pandemic just so about to happen if it was September 2020 yeah, yeah. June 2020 and was it would have been a that great, great. that would have been great and you had to and you had to fly somewhere you had to, you were an essential worker traveling somewhere and there was mass requirements um would and and say that dyson air purifier was was um was acceptable right i was that was one thing i was like man you get on a plane with that they're gonna go what the fuck get this get that gadget off your face put this mask on so would you would you wear that if it was acceptable on a plane Uh, as opposed to would you pay the like let's say four hundred dollars to buy definitely way more than that Let's let's it's say it's a Dyson product. First of all, yeah. sure, it's, yeah. it's, probably, it's probably at least twenty one thousand dollars. Dude, it's probably a, it's got to be at least a thousand dollars. A good set of noise canceling headphones that do all the things that they said that does, and it's Dyson. They didn't really say it does that much. It, well, no, but, but they, one of the features no, they said was rewind. It, but no, no, but it does all the things that noise canceling, <laughs> like wireless noise canceling yeah. headphones. But like my Bose headphones are like four or five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So like, that's got an air purifier mask built into it. Like it's like you're a Power Ranger. Like, that's got to be at least a thousand bucks. This thing isn't even out yet. It'll probably <laughs> never get released. You know, speaking of, uh, since we've been thirst trapped into uh, speaking, <laughs> talking, check about, talking about COVID, um, it's official. The, 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 you guys saw that the other day? The, the uh, who uh, yeah. said that it was, uh, it was over. They said, the, they, pub, said they, they, said over. The, they said the emergency, the global emergency is over. Right. Uh, $949. <laughs> oh, I was. Well, close. that's, that's, I mean, that's not cheap. But I, not, I was I was expecting more. It's uh, not, I was expecting a little bit more too. I think there are websites that show them at twelve hundred dollars too. But uh, nine forty nine US. Yeah. Here's what I want to know. Are those drop shipping websites? No. Here's what I want to know, guys. T- tell me your thoughts. And this is also for listeners. And I'm not judging. I'm just I'm genuinely uh, curious slash baffled. And don't take baffled in the wrong way. Just that I am. So I, I Zaya had a uh, Zaya had a. Um, a daycare tour. She's going to go to daycare in September. And we had a tour of her daycare today. And it was lovely. She had a great time. She was just fucking running around, being all curious and shit. It was super cute. There was a worker there wearing a mask. And I'm going, shoot, I get for sure why you're wearing a mask in here. You're amongst 20 children. All of their noses are basically neon green with snot. Totally get it. Makes the most sense in the world to me. But I I was biking the other day and I... I was biking by a, a picnic table that was out in a field and there was two people sitting at the picnic table and they were wearing masks. And I was, and I just thought to myself, like, it's such an interesting choice. I'm just wondering what your guys thought, what your guys is like, what your guys is uh, like thought is on like what the idea of wearing a mask outside is in 2023 or like what somebody or, or people listening, what they think that like why like there's the, there's i mean is the, it a cycle is it a psychological thing is there a practicality there's there's two i think it'd be a thousand different yeah things. well there's two potential buckets i think those things could fit in which is one there is some rational practical reason that is just beyond what we can understand or think of um which you know it's probably not worth hypothesizing about because we can't really think about it sure um the second bucket. I, is I can that, think about it. I mean, someone who's someone who's in the midst of chemotherapy, okay, and they're and they're having like, you know, they're in the midst of like some sort of immunotherapy, chemotherapy, and they're having lunch with a you know a colleague or a, yes, a friend or something. Okay. And so it's like I'm wearing a mask because I'm 
going through chemo and the other person's like, I'll wear a mask All right. with you. Good, good, so that, good, good thought. Cause like, because, because I think that a mask is so synonymous with COVID that that's where my right. brain goes. And that's where I get lost on that. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like a mask is synonymous <laughs> with COVID. Um, like I wouldn't, I don't no, I really think, pay, I think it is. I wouldn't I, really pay, um, that much attention to that situation because of like that, that example that you gave Jared. I think the second obvious reason is like that they're, um, that they're uh, currently sick. No, I think the second bucket is like they're over concerned um, right. because that they because they're afraid and sure. and I don't think just to clarify, I don't think that that's an invalid reason for them to be wearing a mask if that makes them feel comfortable, even if it doesn't you know rationally provide any protection in the situation that they're in, but they feel comfortable wearing it, then fine. Sure, but um, do they need to be wearing it? Probably not in that situation. Yeah, and I wouldn't even like I wouldn't even look at that as like over uh how did you put it? I don't know. Over over uh, you didn't say over scared because that's <laughs> fearful. Afraid. Uh fearful. yeah, oh yeah, over whatever you said. I, I would just look at it as like a as a comfort thing. As like a mm-hmm. as like a psychologically comforting thing. I mean, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if there were some people when the mask thing came around, they like put on a mask and they went, fuck, it feels so good to have my fucking face covered in public. Like, I don't want, I don't want people looking at me. So when I put on a mask, I just feel like uh, the kid from Big Daddy mm-hmm. where it's like you put the, it's like, oh, you, oh, you peed on the floor <laughs> here, bud. Just put these glasses on. No one can see you. You're invisible now. And the kid's like, fuck. Yeah, sweet. All right. I don't have to like worry about it. I can piss on the wall or whatever. And so I think it's like, I think it might be like that sort of psychological, like, oh, I, I, it just feels better to like mm-hmm. wear a mask. But then, then you also have the, you also have the, like the cultural thing, right? Prior to COVID even being a thing, I'm, I can recall walking down spring garden and seeing, you know, like a young 25 year old Korean woman coming out of a gift shop wearing a mask. Yeah. yeah and I remember very- at that point being like, wow, that's fascinating. Um, but now I'm like, oh, right. Well, there's like an entire, there's an entire <clears throat> countries of people that wear masks all day, you, every day. You've helped me um, better articulate the two buckets that I was talking about. There's, there's two buckets. It's either you need to wear one to protect yourself from something. Or the second one is that you want to wear one yeah. because it yeah. makes you feel comfortable for whatever reason. Yeah. And like, those are the two options of why they're wearing it. Either yeah. they need to wear it um, because it's actually doing something helpful for them. Or they want to wear it because they believe it's doing yeah. something helpful for them or makes them feel comfortable or whatever that is. And those are basically yeah. the only reasons. <laughs> yeah. And if like if um, so, I guess like the whole point to wrap this whole thing up is like if you're still wearing a chin diaper, fuck you. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> honk, dude. honk. Let's go, bitch. <laughs> um, let's uh, my mask. What's what's your guys's <laughs> mask um, when you're in public? Like, do you have something that makes you feel comfortable that it's not a mask, but like something that makes you feel comfortable when you're in public. Yeah. What is it? Um, just have my zipper down and my balls hanging out. <laughs> it's an air, it's like an airflow thing. It feels I, just, I love that too. Yeah. Um, what, what do you mean? Like, is there something that you yeah, have? What's your example? <laughs> I have, I have an example of something. <laughs> um, wearing a hood. Like I when am. I go to the grocery store, yeah. if I have headphones in and I have a hood up, I feel com- more comfortable. Yeah. Than if I'm like, but you know, when no, you do that, you, all the cameras are on you. Yeah, I feel the opposite. <laughs> you feel like you're being watched. I feel like point. wearing a hood is asking for people to 
be paying close attention. Oh, really? I don't. I feel like it gives me a layer of protection. I think. I think if you're wearing watched more. I think if you're wearing a hooded cloak, <laughs> then yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree with you there. You know, a hooded a hooded cloak, and like you're also doing this the <laughs> right, whole time. Right. You don't I think you don't think that together. people are no people are definitely like people are definitely more like what's that person? I don't know. No, no, wait, what the fuck? I wear a hood. I if I have a hood, it's up. Like almost Me all too. the time. I love. I love having especially a hood. if I have a hat on. Yeah. Yes. But it's but Fuck but also yeah, but also I don't I don't do it because it like makes me feel doesn't make you feel safer. more comfortable. Like I'm carrying my fucking. I didn't like use the word. Do you put your hands? I don't in know. Dude, like, and hunch dude, your shoulders. You said you said like it may it calms you it calms you makes you feel safe like like a like a like a yeah. sucky yeah like um because like ever since I stopped sucking my thumb or at least yeah, have right. been trying to do it less in public having a hood on allows me to like sort of be more discreet when I'm like. Can I just say this? <laughs> Can I just say this? And I, I actually mean this. Mm-hmm. Can we make, can like soothers just be a normal thing? <laughs> like, cause dude, sucking on a fucking soother. No, you don't want to. Why? It feels so good. No, you don't want to do that. There's something, there's something real fucking nice. Why? Why don't I want to do? I mean, obviously, <laughs> obvious things aside, like, Sucking on a soother as an, an, an adult yeah. grown man walking through the mall, you're going to get I some thought, looks. I now, thought, hey, I'm not here to judge, but I get it. I thought you were more comfortable with who you are, like comfortable with who you are to the point where you could actually just rock a soother if you I wanted to. I would fucking pay to watch you walk around the mall with a sucky in. <laughs> I, would, I would pay to watch you oh, from across, from like dude, across no. the divide you, of the mall. No, guys, so I could just see how people are reacting guys, to you guys, walking around. Why do you think the person who invented ring pops invented ring pops? Dude, ring, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Ring pops are fucking amazing. A good like old school sucker. Awesome. A, su- a, su- a fucking sucky. Here's the difference. But Here's the difference. Sucky? Ring pop, you've got it on your finger. Yeah. People get it. You got your hand up to your mouth. No hand sucky? Yeah, but a no hand sucky with a, fu- a no hand a, sucky with a, with a, with a regular fucking sucker? If you've got a that's, no that's hand legit. sucky? No. What about a lozenge? Lozenge, well, yeah. Well, you can't see a lozenge. It's in your mouth. But it's no hand sucking. <laughs> I mean, you're right, but there's just like there's 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 we have rules, Jerry. We have rules, okay? Right, but why is that a rule? It's, it's not. It's a rule. Dude, it's bring a, it back. I mean, it is it's a rule cuz people go like people immediately sexual like sex fetishize. It's a weird look. People go, "Oh, what, what, what else are you into? <laughs> Definitely. Dude, that's exactly what I would ask. You know what? If if we're going to bl- bring that back, people, though, immediately, people immediately like, oh, what's that? We're going to bring it back. Um, bring it back? Bring it up. I don't know. If we're going to do it, could we also um, normalize carrying around blankies with you? You know, like, think about how nice. Wouldn't it be comforting? To like just take your nose and just rub, you know, the edge of like a satin blanket. You know, yeah, those like those really nice do that with baby shirt. blankets with like the oh, little edge oh. with that's like that's really satiny and nice. Wouldn't that just be nice to just guys? Rub you your know nose what? I, you know what? I you know what I think. The, you know what? Think what, the we thing get, is, what, what, what? What do we bring this back? Why can't I feed from my my partner's teeth in public? <laughs> I'm thirsty for milk. <laughs> yeah, let me yeah. suck on a tit. True. Yeah. <laughs> You know what yeah. I think? I think the actual, like the actual reason why we don't do this is wait the 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 the, the, the soother, the soother the, the, the and sucky? the blankie, is because no joke, in a perfect world, which we're failing miserably at, we would ideally make it so that everyone 
is just comfortable with just being. I'll tell you right now. So I, if I had him back if, and no, and I'm saying that, no, uh, in despite comfortable without a protective mechanism. Oh, well, no, but I don't it's not use, even about I don't, that. I don't and we're feeling and we're, no, and we're failing. We're failing. Wear, that so we, wearing, a lot of people don't feel that wearing way. a hood for me. Isn't a protective mechanism. Like I'm not like, I think you said I'm, specifically, I'm not, you, feel did. You, you said it keeps me no. safe from the, from the baddies. Outside. I didn't use the word safe <laughs> or protected. You did. Um, <laughs> I said, it, I said it makes me feel comfortable <laughs> and it's just a comforting and thing protective. to have. And comfort is different than feeling protected, um, or safe. Comfort is just feels comfortable. And so, I mean, Wouldn't for, it, okay, for, imagine this, imagine this, imagine a hooded sweater that's made out of the same material as a children's blanket, like a blankie, sweaters are made cotton. it's, but like, but like, <laughs> but, but not, not in sweater material in like a soft blankie material. And imagine the hood was that soft blanket material, but around the fringe of the hood sweaters not was that? satin. Was that satiny? Right, you just stuff. need to go to and a fucking. Then, you just need to go to an EDM festival. And then it had. That's all you need. And then it had drawstrings that each at the end had two soothers hanging off of them. Wouldn't that be the most comfortable fucking <laughs> You're sweater? Jared's language now. You are, and also like again, th- this is totally acceptable at a at an electronic music festival. Um, <laughs> did this come off the top of your head, or did you plan to talk about suckies? No, I have no. Where did? How do we even get on this? I don't even I don't know what know. the fuck we were talking about. Dyson zones. Now I'm talking <laughs> about sucking tits in public. I, fuck! I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> Fucking god damn it! Uh, <laughs> oh, you were talking about masks. <laughs> we were talking about right. things that make us. And I said, right. well, speaking of things that make us feel better, I want to suck on a soother. Um, let's move on to this week's edition of a bride. So I set this up. Um, if we ever talk about AI, I'm just going to have ChatGPT do all the writing. Okay. So uh, this actually is quite interesting. It's at, actually about ChatGPT. A study finds that ChatGPT outperforms physicians in high quality, empathetic answers to patient questions. So ChatGPT Say that again. does a better job than physicians in providing high quality, empathetic answers to questions that patients have. That is the least surprising thing. Well, AI. I've so this is what this is what ChatGPT said. And it's interesting. I wonder what ChatGPT is going to say about this thing that is talking about it. All right. Oh, wow. I haven't read this yet. Well, AI won't replace your doctor. The JAMA, JAMA, international uh, internal medicine paper suggests that physicians working together with technologies like me, ChatGPT, may revolutionize <laughs> medicine. It didn't say me. But, <laughs> I was going to um, say it didn't say with that. myself. ChatGPT. Uh, as the world eagerly awaits the inevitable robot uprising. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Beep, boop. Um, as the world eagerly awaits the inevitable robot uprising, scientists have been exploring the potential uses of artificial intelligence assistance in the field of medicine. A new study published in the prestigious JAMA Internal Medicine Journal has provided a tantalizing glimpse into this brave new world revealing that ChatGPT, an AI-powered chatbot, was actually better at answering health-related questions than real-life physicians. The study was led by John W. Ayers, PhD, from the Qualcomm Institute at the University of California, San Diego, San Diego, California whale's vagina. A wooden ship. uh, Who (laughs) believes that AI-augmented care is the future of medicine. But before we get too excited about our robot overlords... 
It's worth noting that the study was conducted using a subreddit called our Ask Docs, where patients publicly post their medical queries and verified healthcare professionals provide answers. The team behind the study compared written responses from physicians and those from ChatGPT. And to their surprise, a panel of licensed healthcare professionals preferred ChatGPT's responses 79% of the time. Whoa. It's an overwhelming amount. <laughs> Not only were ChatGPT responses deemed higher quality and more empathetic than those of the human doctors, but they also addressed more aspects of the patient's questions. Quote, ChatGPT might be able to pass a medical licensing exam, quipped study co-author Davy Smith, MD, MAS, but directly answering patients' questions accurately and empathetically is a different ballgame. The results of the study have raised some interesting questions about the future of healthcare. Could AI assistants like ChatGPT be integrated into health systems to ease the burden on physicians? Could they provide better quality healthcare for patients? Could they eventually replace human doctors altogether? Big boom. <laughs> While some may worry about the rise of the machines, the study's authors argue that the ultimate solution isn't throwing out the human doctors altogether. Instead, they suggest that doctors should harness the power of ChatGPT to improve the quality of care they provide to patients. As Christopher Longhurst, MD, MS, Chief Medical Officer and Chief Digital Officer at UC San Diego Health, puts it, these results suggest that tools like ChatGPT can efficiently draft high-quality, personalized medical advice for review by clinicians, and we are beginning that process at US UCSD Health. So Man. while the idea of a robot doctor may seem like science fiction, the future of healthcare could <coughs> very well be powered by AI. And who knows, maybe one day you'll be able to book an appointment with ChatGPT, the world's most em empathetic chatbot. Just <laughs> don't forget to say thank you after your consultation, or it might just remember that for next time. <laughs> so I um, I don't know, if, Jerry, if you saw this article I put in our Feel Good Friday folder, but it was about virtual care in Nova Scotia. I did see this, yeah. So um, <clears throat> a, a person who worked in healthcare in Alberta retired with their partner to Nova Scotia and mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic and actually tried to get access to a family doctor, but ended up on the patient registry list. Like everybody else. And then um, was recommended by someone else to to uh, to use Virtual Care Nova Scotia, which is this platform where you can actually sign up to have a consultation with a doctor virtually. And they basically get back to you same day, like right away. Mm -hmm. And um, it's great. You get like if you need a prescription refilled or sure. you know to get access to medication they're used to taking or whatever and you need to speak to a doctor who can write a prescription for that if you drank an really... entire bottle of miracle grow and you're just wondering like if it's going to kill you if you're yeah, going to grow right. seven inches yeah. did you do that yeah you i did, did that, that yeah, yeah. Um, we called poison control and uh, they laughed at me so so like virtual care is really great for that but when i was thinking because i'm waiting for a, a family doctor my doctor retired like years ago now, and I haven't had access to a family doctor. And when I was thinking about virtual care, um, I was thinking about how it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted. Like what I, what I really want in a doctor is like somebody who I know is going to be the same person that I see, you know, every time something goes wrong with that, they like understands and knows my history mm. so that, you know, if I come in and have specific concerns about something that I can trust that they, remember and know me as a person in a way that they can provide advice that is not just based on 
this one scenario, yeah. but based on a past history. Mm. And they'll off you yeah. a blankie and a sucky. Totally, yeah. yeah. I and mean, in the vir- I mean, the virtual character probably. I mean, what you would you wouldn't need all of that background for them to deal with the um, the red the redness. Oh yeah, the, I mean, I yeah, I do need to get that redness checked out. Um, I mean, like uh, our YouTube viewers can't see it from this angle and the swelling or this angle, but uh, I can see it from this angle. Yeah, and uh, it is swollen because you don't need boy the, howdy. You don't yeah. need the personal care for the redness boy howdy and the swelling. You <laughs> no. just need a and quick fix. Not so, I mean, like I'm fine with that the virtual care for like that situation, but like really, what I really want is a family doctor. I want I want a family doctor who is a person who I can plan to have around for the next thirty years, and so when I think of Chat GPT, that's a bit of a long time horizon. But I I understand. I mean, I, that's I my you. experience. I hear, I like, hear you. My experience was that my family doctor was was in the delivery room when I was born, and yeah. and. And, and he like, should be in the death room when you die. <laughs> but but it was like it's, when you it, say that when you say that I my first question is why? What do you mean why? Why was your family doctor in the room when you were born? I I I was banging his mom, dude. That's his fucking dad, dude. <laughs> we figured it out, bro. We know who your dad is finally. <laughs> <laughs> makes so much sense because like because like yeah. when you say that he was in the room like my 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 he knee did jerk, the delivery my like knee jerk received. reaction is going sure but then when i think about it i go, go wait what the but fuck he, but he was he was the person who received me when i came out of my out of the inside of my mom did he was switch he, from obstetrics yeah. to yeah. to family medicine no, i don't know he was literally there i don't know if that was a Guys, Google it and see it. <laughs> Brian, why was he there? <laughs> this is a sick boy exclusive. I promise you. Guys, let's call my mom right now and ask if my doctor was in the room when I was delivered. Why? Well, I'm so interested. Because like, I feel like if I had asked, if we had asked our family doctor to be in the delivery room for Zaya's birth, our doctor would have been like, What? This is Why? Urgently, <laughs> Why would I be there? This is urgently important for me to get the answer to. You really? Guys. Yeah. You know, what, you know what she's not picking up? She's with with she's, my dad. My yeah. real dad. At, yeah. the, at the family medicine clinic. Wait, isn't he dead? Is he is this is this doctor dead? No, he, he retired. retired. He retired. <laughs> oh, he retired. Yeah. Nice. Which Good is why which is why <laughs> Hanging around. So you should leave a message and go, Mom, were you fucking not my doctor? I'm, text, I'm texting her right now. <laughs> so anyway, we'll have an answer but, for you next week. But my folks. point is, so when it comes to ChatGPT, like you know, the, the 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 doctor's office that I used to go to, the family doctor's office, my doctor would like come out of this back room and like with come your in. mom <laughs> <laughs> comes out of a back room, like <laughs> says, "Oh, oh, oh, Brian, um, sorry, just let me, uh, boy, go wash my hands." Uh, <laughs> Because I'm a doctor. Uh, yeah, I'm a doctor. And I wash my hands. Do- doctor stuff on my hands, not anything else. <laughs> not sex juice. <laughs> sex juice. <laughs> um, so, 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 so he was coming. With- <laughs> okay. So, so like the doctor would come out of the back room when, when, when come into like the pay, the the waiting room to uh, or into like the into the doctor's room or office or whatever. Yeah. Um. But then he would disappear. And one sec, here's my mom. <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> oh my god. Hey, mom. You're on the you're on the podcast for a second. Oh. 
Um, okay, I have a question not, for you. Not work. Okay, I just oh, have a quick, 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 quick question. Um, was Doctor Trager <laughs> in the delivery room when I was born? I believe he was. Okay, was was uh, he there because he was working, or was he there because he's actually my biological father? <laughs> we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, an awkward, really that's, that's an awkward she laugh. Really? Wait, wait. <laughs> I, I, well, as far as I know, he, he, he was working. <laughs> okay, but he I was. Know. We had a. We just had a. I just had a really good relationship with my family doctor, right? Like he was in the room when I was when I was born, and he was my doctor for a long time, right? Yes. Okay. Good. That's. I was just checking. And he was. He was my doctor for like over forty years. Oh, he just retired. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So maybe. <laughs> anyway. All right. All right. Love you. Okay. okay Bye. Bye. Holy shit! I just looked at myself on the screen. I realized I'm a ten shades of red. <laughs> Holy fuck! Oh okay. man. Well, yeah. So um. So yeah. Cool. So cool. That's great. Okay. So my uh, point. My, I, I had a point to this. I, I just had a point to this. So oh, so fuck. what I would like to see instead of the doctor coming out of the back room with my mom <laughs> is the doctor spending more time in the office, having that face to face interaction with the patients, and then not having to go back and do all the paperwork thing that they do. To which ChatGPT could could do that. Do that. Right. Very and well. then you could have a more yeah. personal relationship. Yeah. With the human part of going to see a doctor yeah. and. Well, at this yeah, rate, I mean, at this shit. rate, I know that I know that ChatGPT was joking when it was say, saying this stuff to us. But at this point, um, there won't be doctors for long, and there won't be podcasters for long. There won't be there won't be humans for long. Uh, we are doomed. <laughs> so let's move on to uh, something we can do while we're still alive um, before the robots take over, guys. This is actually fucking wild. So Oregon, uh, you can do um, psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy. In Oregon? In Oregon. Not Oregon. Oregon's. Oregon. 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 There we um, go. It is going to... What do you think it's going to cost to have a psilocybin session at Assisted Oregon's therapy? first licensed well, center? I mean, it should be... Well, mm. it's got to be... I'd say it's uh, like at least five times the amount than it would be to see a therapist for an hour because you're with them for probably five I plus hours. I think $12,000. Plus the, plus the psilocybin, which... Should be cheap. Well, let's uh, let's go through this. So I actually have the cost plan for uh, a session at the first at Oregon's first licensed center. Um, but before I go into the breakdown of the cost plan, uh, I just want to read to you a little piece here from Double Blind that put up an article about this. So Oregon has officially licensed the first ever regulated psilocybin service center in the United States. And legal journeys are set to take place this summer. Uh, a guided trip with four grams of mushrooms will cost $3,500 per session. Two and a half gram session will cost $2,800. A reported 80 people signed up on the waiting list to access, uh, to access psilocybin for the uh, first greenlit facility, Epic Healing Eugene. Of course, this is in Eugene, uh, where they will undergo a supervised magic mushroom journey. Quote, this is the first step, and we will soon work to create more access for people um, to this life-changing therapy through scholarships and creating ways for people to sponsor services for other people. Uh, owner Kathy Jonas said in a press release, 
The clinical social worker underwent a 300-hour psychedelic-assisted therapy training program, and her company will also ta- be offer tailored preparation and integration sessions. Quote, the majority of people that are coming have PTSD and trauma, she told KLCC. Probably a good third are very depressed. The former campaign manager of the ballot initiative that saw the psychedelic mushroom measure pass, Sam Chapman, now executive director of the Healing Advocacy Fund, said there could be a dozen service centers open by the end of the year after facilitators and growers were licensed earlier this year. Um, why do you think it's... Um, what's your best guess at why so, <clears throat> it's more expensive for a, for a bigger dose? So, I, would, I, would think that, I would think that the biggest cost... Is just is the time I know why of the ther- of the th- of the of the therapist because because like how long does a trip last for? No, dude, it's not that. So officials claim that Measure One Hundred Nine uh, did not give the agency authority to create regulations that directly address the accessibility issue. Uh, Mason Marks, former chair in the licensing subcommittee, told Double Line that's somewhere de- that's somewhat debatable, but at least some of the fault lies with the drafters of the ballot initiative who decided not to make affordability a priority. By comparison, those who drafted Colorado's Proposition 122 made the affordability of services a focus of Colorado's advisory board. So accessibility wasn't like a part of the focus for Oregon. Jonas, the woman who is leading this clinic, said that along with the $12,000 training and certification fees for her alone, she must pay a $10,000 annual fee and $60,000 on insurance and security. Service centers cannot write off costs like wages and rent on their federal taxes because psilocybin is federally illegal. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why it's so expensive for her. So she's got a $60,000 minimum annual bill to provide services? Annually for that? Yeah. It's a one-time annual fee. (laughs) So So I have the whole breakdown here. And, and to be honest with you, like when I read this personally, and I'm not a doctor, but personally, I think this is fucking insane. And I see the benefit to having a psychedelic, psychedelic assisted therapy. But if it was me and I had PTSD and I wanted to utilize psychedelics to like find healing. I'd probably go the underground route where it's far fucking cheaper mm-hmm. and there's people already doing it. Um, here is the breakdown of the cost. This is fucking wild. Well, I mean, when you, when you just saying those initial like annual fees and training fees and stuff, but that was the, the cost of the provider, right? But, but just those, sorry, the cost of provider cost of the provider that now makes the actual cost for right. the therapy not yeah. seem like it's actually that much. Right. Relative, well, that, but that's you know? why they have to charge so So, so listen right. to this. They have they have uh, they have different levels here. You got level 1 microdose, level 2 microdose, low dose, medium dose, high dose. Now here's the other thing. I will say this. The high dose, the 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 high dose that is a part of this this uh clinic, this program is uh, uh, you know, according to the the clinicians that were doing this underground and like the psychonauts that are like, like, and, and therapists that are actually doing it's laughable, the dosage to them. So um, a level one microdose, which would be 0.1 gram to 0.4 grams, one to two hour duration of a session. What? But you wouldn't know. Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish this. A group session costs up to five people, $300. 
That per, sounds per, counterproductive. Per person. Okay. Individual session cost, $500. So fi- let's just do individual costs. $500 for a microdose amount of medicine within a one to two hour session. Okay. That's, 500 just, a, that's just a therapy session. Let's do a level two microdose. <laughs> 0.4 grams to 0.8 grams. $800. Holy fuck. Two to three hours. So you, you add another hour. Okay. Low dose. Now we're talking low dose, four hour session. $1,800, and that's for a gram to a gram and a half. A medium dose, five-hour session, 1.5 to 2.5 grams, $2,800. And a high dose, which they state is 2.5 to 4 grams over six hours, $3,500. Now, just for context, a high dose, four grams is not a high dose. Four grams is a, I mean, a fair four amount. Four grams is a... Is a no, is no, not, it, no, nope, it is not. A relative four, to what you're trying to achieve. Relative to what you're trying to achieve, it's not. And, right, and, but it's not, it's not nothing you're gonna, for an experience. You're, you're no, going no, to really yeah. know. You're, you're right, it's you're not, but, but it is not. If I take four grams, I'm having an, I'm having an experience. You're having, an ex- oh, yeah. you're having an interesting time, but when we talk about the people that have been doing this and been yeah. doing this for years... Like Thomas Hartle Thomas Hartle is doing like 7.5 to 8 grams. Did, yeah. That is... That is a, that is a heroic dose. And that is what a lot of the people that are doing this work are saying is like required for this type of work. And this is half of that. My, if, my if qualm that. wouldn't be so much on the, on the for high dose 3, part. I mean, the cost, the cost and everything, the relative to the amount and the cost and the cost, that's, that's, that's crazy. My, my issue is with the, trying to justify the like quarter gram to a gram <laughs> once you're like, I mean, I've taken a lot of mushrooms in my day and I've taken some higher doses and I've taken some lower doses. And I have, especially over the last couple of years, if I've, if I'm take, I haven't really done a high dose of mushrooms in a while. And I have been much more prone to taking like half gram to gram doses. And that is like, whatever you think about mushrooms if you, especially if you have no experience with them, a half a gram to a gram is like, no one is going to ever know that I was taking mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I can be at a party. For, I could be hanging yeah. out with people. For you. For, for me. Yeah. Yes. I, I understand that if you were the first, if it was your first time taking mushrooms, that that would be a different experience. Or if but, you're someone specific. Right. But if, uh, but. I think we all know a person. I think we all know one person. We all know one person. Yeah. Where, uh, where. And I think we're thinking about the same person. Um, <laughs> we definitely are. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But like, but so so I'm go, I'm going and, and and yes, that amount of mushrooms is like it's it's nice and jovial. I feel good. Sure. Yeah. Feel I feel very in tune. Um, feel very dialed in. But I'm not. I don't know how many. I don't know what kind of like psychological revelations are going to be brought on by that. And I don't know even in the most sensitive of people, if it, if it is going to bring anything on that is going to be of the level of importance that we, that we need it to be for the types of things that we're trying to treat. In now, psych- I, dis- you, I disagree with that. Mind I disagree you, with that in the sense if that you're doing, if you're doing like, if you say you're doing a, a therapy sessions over the span of like five months and you're going once a week and you're doing that with 
you know, sure. 1.5 grams yeah. or something or two grams right. per session. Like, like okay, something yeah, to like open you up just a little oh, bit. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Okay. But like a one time yes. session. I don't know. I don't know about that. Like that, that seems a little, that seems a little mm-hmm. silly to me. And there are like, you know, the, the people that, um, the people that are behind the, the, you know, psilocybin, uh, campaigns for, for therapy, um, their, their thoughts when it comes to that higher dose is like, this is a fucking joke. This mm-hmm. is a joke. And the fact that it costs that much money is even more laughable. It's, I mean, the, the psilocybin Oregon campaign group tweeted at $3,500 a session. It is for rich people only. Please do not copy the paywall prohibited model we have in Oregon. Instead, bring full decriminalization to your community and help everyone heal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was going to say, I, I, I think that the, like, I think that a placebo amount, like a microdose during a therapy session could be enough to like open a person up and make them have some profound realizations about themselves but I don't think any of those amounts lead to like the full rewiring of your brain type of experiences that like Thomas Hartle had Yeah. Um, until you get into those like heroic doses. I mean, yeah. I've had like taking you know, anecdotally taking like two and a half to three grams of mushrooms and having like a really you know, um, profound experience just like spending time with friends. Like I've had, I've had, profound experiences that I've remembered for the rest of my life that I'll remember for the rest of my life in terms of like, I don't know, I'll be specific about it. Like there, there was a, a moment when Taylor, we were doing um, mushrooms together and we were standing outside of your yoga studio at night. And um, I remember looking out into the sort of like darkness of nighttime and going, Oh fuck. The only thing that matters to me in my life is my friends. Like, like this is it. Like being here, with this group of people is like the most important thing to me. And like, I think back to that often and think, you know, when I'm feeling down or when I'm feeling bad about something, I think, holy fuck, I just have to remember that. Like, you know, I can call my friends. I can the, I have these amazing people in my life and I know that no matter how bad things get, I'll, I'll always have them. And that came from like a realization of, you know, while being high on mushrooms, um, which wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a seven gram dose, but like if you're dealing with like severe, you know, PTSD or chronic depression, I feel like you need to take a little bit more than that three to th- three to four gram dose to like really have a profound experience to rewire, you know, those experiences. I think the thing that gets you, I think the thing the the, the I think the line and I'm not super familiar with this, but let me know what you think, Jerry. I think the line that you sort of need to cross in terms of these like high dose experiences is like really the, the line of like being here. Yeah. yeah like, like the idea of self, you know, like the, I, like, yeah. and like ego. And, and, and that's why in psychedelic assisted therapy, you're typically going to be wearing an eye mask. You're going to have headphones mm-hmm. on or some type of like, you know, sensory uh, depriving um, equipment to just not. So, so that you are aided and also the extremely high dose of mushrooms helps you to like really dissolve this like material plane that we're on every day and to like exit for, for a while and go into another dimension. The the dissolution of the ego is like, I mean, it's a massive part of that process, right? Like that, I mean, Thomas Hartle spoke to that. It was Mm -hmm. like he, he lost touch with, 
who he was and what what he what he meant like mm-hmm. what what does self what is self well who am i what am i i fucking i in that in that moment of like you know seven eight grams deep there is no i yeah and then when you come out of that experience of recognizing that you are fleeting and that you are actually just a fucking bundle of atoms that are interacting with a bunch of other atoms and none of this is like none of this is permanent yet everything is forever like it's it's those types of things where where when you say it now sober you're like what the fuck does that even mean but when it all sort of like comes together in a in a in a place where mentally you are so detached from like what it means to be a you it really has like a profound effect mm. on the way that you view your impermanence yeah. and and that's the you know i mean for him in that in that particular case where he's dealing with end of life life anxieties that's really highly important i'm sure that i'm sure that a high do, i'm sure that a 3 gram 4 gram 6 hour session for someone who's dealing with ptsd that just you know that like served in our, in afghanistan or something i'm sure that's going to be beneficial but the cost but the fucking cost of that to me is is nuts so gross and and again, you know, I would just go fuck that. I can yeah. find ways to do this for free. You know, um, besides the the shittiness of that program and <clears throat> the crazy cost to it, it was uh, it was in, it was nice to hear. The other day we were um, uh, last week we were speaking at uh, the New Brunswick Hospice and Palliative Care Association's uh, conference, mm-hmm. and um, and in the Q and A session after, we got a we got a question from somebody in the audience that asked us about um, how how we think about uh, psychedelic assisted therapy, and just just really interesting to be at a like a healthcare focused conference, and yeah. for that to be an audience question, just I think just that in and of itself kind of yeah. speaks to the the progression of this conversation and the understanding in the in like the broader healthcare world. Because ten years ago, that that question would have been a real like, oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. it's you know, it's like, becoming the, way more people there normalized yeah, and common now. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Well, I had another thing here, but we're way over time. Uh, well, we can talk about um, banging in space next week. So okay. Um. I feel like we've talked. This is a, this is a new this is space. a new banging in space thing. We did a whole episode on banging in space, but this is a new take on uh, scientists' concerns about concerns. fucking in space. I mean, nobody for the for the not for the astronaut, but for the space, space station. Oh, uh, yeah. I, th- I uh, thought they were worried about the space station getting like. Yeah, that, well, we don't want we don't want come gunked up. Yeah, gunking up the gunking up the, uh, the laboratory, the, the, the machines. <laughs> um, all right, so folks, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, we will be back next week, and in the meantime, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast, or you can do the same thing on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, come join the conversation over on Discord. Um, uh, we'd love to, to. We'd love to see that community grow. It's uh, it's constantly growing. Lots of new people popping in there. Really fun conversations and uh, a good place to hang if you're ever feeling lonely. And if you want to be a guest on the show, go to sickboypodcast.com and click on the button that is obviously there for you to fill out the form to be a guest. And uh, if you want to recommend somebody to be on the show, um, preferably a healthcare professional, somebody you think they're add some context to some of the interesting Wednesday conversations that we have uh, go on there and uh, and nominate somebody and if you are a family doctor then uh, reach out to me personally um, if you live in Nova Scotia in particular and you can be my new doctor 
Uh, Brian Sookie Sookie Blanky at gmail.com. <laughs> it's actually Sookie Sookie Baby underscore one. Um, yeah. Hoods aren't threatening at gmail.com. <laughs> um, and, uh, and thanks as always to the folks who make this show happen. A huge uh, happy belated birthday to Jeff Lonis. Uh, we love you. And uh, to Rich O'Coin for the theme music. Thank you so much. You're amazing. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.